business degree in my business program we actually took accounting finance operations mm -hmm. communication we took yep. a bit of everything and then right. i ended up deciding and i went into advertising mostly because of neuropsych i'm just so interested in why people buy things mm -hmm. why right. do they pick brand a over brand m you know mm -hmm. why do they gravitate towards this color over this one how can you change your ad slightly to all of a sudden get more ROI? So there's this huge gap in the market of small businesses and entrepreneurs that need support in the communication field. If you're in an elevator with someone and you have two seconds to get their attention, what are you saying? If you have the worst thing that I always see people do is they assume they are the customer or they know who the customer is. And it's actually completely different. Welcome to the messy back end of entrepreneurship. This is Lee Cassells, co-founder of SFQ Consulting. We all know that the back end is where most businesses fail, and I can tell you from my experience that all businesses have them, from solopreneurs to large corporations. This podcast is all about cleaning up that messy back end so you can save time, make money, and succeed. And now, here are your hosts, Sheila J. Logan and Nate Tucker. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We have a wonderful show for you today. Milton Erickson said, the effectiveness of communication is not defined by the communication, but by the response. Taryn Lipschitz is going to be joining us to talk about communicating core values authentically with customers to make a positive impact. Taryn is a passionate storyteller crafting a meaningful experience with each interaction the customer has with your brand. After graduating from the Ivy School of Business at University of Western with honors in business administration, Taryn pursued a career in corporate marketing. Her experience spanned across many industries and clients, including MasterCard, Visa, Nissan, Bayer, Nestle, Hershey's, Hewlett Packard, Wendy's, Pepsi, and more. Taryn has spent over a decade as a strategic marketer, creating meaningful engagements for brands. Even as young as she is, she's been and done everything. And you'll hear real questions and stories from real entrepreneurs with real messy backends. As an added bonus for the messy backend exposed, our expert Taryn will not only share her experience, expertise, and the tools she suggests to get your backend cleaned up, but she will also expose how to figure out who your ideal customer is and how to speak to them so they love what you are doing. If you're an entrepreneur with a messy back end and you would like to submit your story or question for our experts to answer, give us a call at 801-810-6726 or visit us at themessybackend.com. Thank y'all so much for joining us on today's episode of The Messy Back End. Coming soon, watch for The Messy Back End of Being a Single Mom, as well as many other messy back end topics from photography, speaking, book writing, traveling, and more. How would you like to have your very own messy backend podcast? Find out more about how you can use our team, our brand, and our online platforms to start and build your own messy backend podcast. Visit themessybackend.com slash join for details. Nate and I would love to be on your podcast or speak at your next event. Visit themessybackend.com slash speaking to send us your event details and learn more about us and our speaking topics. Thank you to our sponsor, Yes, Women's Network, 
where you will find the connections you need to achieve your dreams. Find out more at yeswomensnetwork.com. Don't forget to subscribe, folks, to our podcast. Head on over to themessybackend.com slash subscribe so you never miss an episode. Plus, check us out on Facebook and YouTube to see full video episodes. Now on to our expert, Taryn Lipschitz, for her expert advice. Don't mess your seat, folks. Here we go. So today we have a messy backend question submitted by one of our listeners. They said, I know I have a great business, but I can't figure out how to communicate how amazing it is to my customers or clients. I'm also struggling to share my idea with potential partners and investors. If I can't convince them about my product and services, my business will fail. Help. How do I communicate in a way that will help me succeed? First of all, thank you guys so much for having me on the show. It's such an honor to sit here and talk with both of you. And, you know, I love this question that, that this listener has chimed in with, because I think this is so important. Communication is such an art. And I think, you know, I worked in, after getting my business degree, I worked in corporate marketing for over 10 years and then decided to leave to do my own thing and help brands and companies and entrepreneurs with their marketing and communication, because there's sort of this gap of, you know, when you're starting up a business, you either have to luckily or hopefully find an individual or small company that can help you, or then the jump is to a big, large agency. So there's this huge gap in the market of small businesses and entrepreneurs that need support in the communication field. And the question that this listener asked, there's actually two parts of it. One is speaking to the investors and pitching your idea. What's really important about that when you are pitching to investors where you want financial support or operation support or anything in that realm is having a really strong business plan and being able to communicate that. And that's not just talking about the marketing and the packaging and let's say you're launching a new sports drink. You know, it's not necessarily about the cool packaging. It's saying to an investor, well, financially, here's how we're going to be profitable And here's our sales goals and here's the profit margin and really understanding the numbers behind it and being able to speak to it. The other thing that's really important when before you're even pitching to the investor or pitching a product to a client is understanding why. Why do people need this product or service? What is so unique about it? When you drive down and you understand your purpose and why you're doing what you're doing, the rest of it is so much easier to then talk about. So if someone is saying, oh, you've got this new cookbook or you've got this new athletic line or you've got this new organic product, if you can't tell people why it's different, why it's unique and why they need it and what the purpose of it is, well, then you're just like everything else. And it is really hard then to communicate to people what is different and you'll struggle with everything after that. So I think there's some brands as well that have done a really good job. And when you think about companies or products that you like, you, you know, it's very clear what they do, why they do and what their purpose is. You know, I know a couple of years ago too, there was this big trend towards organic. And now it's kind of one of those norms where most things, most foods, most new products are organic, but really explaining to people why that matters. So I know too, you know, as a kid, I was born and I had, I was lactose intolerant and I had bad eczema. So for me, then a product, you know, that my mom would have really would have been really important is a product that would have helped, you know, kids with eczema. Well, if you have that product and you can clearly communicate that and you're not trying to 
pack in too many words and pack in a million benefits, then your message is so clear and it's so easy to then take that message through everything that you're doing. So I think there's two things that I'm sort of talking about. One is the investor pitch where it's really being clear to them. What is the purpose? What are the benefits of your product or service? And what are the numbers behind it? And then when you're talking to potential customers, it's really knowing what that is and being able to articulate it. You know, you, we always say, what's your 30 second pitch, but it's not even a 30 second pitch. It's if you're in an elevator with someone and you have two seconds to get their attention, what are you saying? If you have 10 seconds to explain what the benefit is of your product and service, what is that? It's drilling down this big idea and this big passion of yours down to something so simple and so easy to understand and absorb, and then being true to it in everything that you do. And I think the other thing that people often get really distracted with is trying to be a product or a service for everyone and everything. And that's not it. You have to really be focused on who is your target and how are you helping their, them in their life? How are you then talking to them in a very authentic way? You know, if you are talking to new moms, well, how are you being empathetic and compassionate to where they are in their lives? How are you supporting their life and making things simpler? You know, you know the situation they're in, you know they're dealing with a newborn and they're trying to keep a house clean and keep food on the table and get some sleep when they can. So how are you inserting yourself to make their lives easier? And I think that's so important to build that relationship with your clients. And at the beginning, it really is about that one-on-one, you know, responding to every single comment. Customer service is so important. And I think it's often overlooked in the grand scheme of running a business and trying to do everything, but spending time with your customers, asking them what they think about your products, how they feel, getting those true testimonials. And at the end of the day too, a lot of products and companies end up innovating based on things the customers say. So it's not, I'm not saying go and listen to every single thing a customer says and all of a sudden change everything you're doing, but really listen to your customers and let them know that you're there and you're listening and, and you're hearing them out. I would say that's really important. And that's super helpful. And um, one of the things that we often talk about is in when you are trying to get someone's attention, we often get stuck in the, um, we know what this is going to do. And so we talk about what it's going to do. And we forget that we need to talk about what the customer is going to feel or experience. And um, I have a hard time doing that myself, like changing my mindset to where I'm actually speaking about what they're going to walk away with as opposed to what I can do for them. And then, you know, for investors, and we'll just set that kind of over aside because you're going to tell them the same thing, but you're going to put numbers behind it. Our customers don't need to have numbers, but our customers need to understand how to buy it. So I'm going to throw an example out at you because I know you have experienced so many different companies. My daughter has a comic book and she's asked me how to market that comic book. And first off, I'm not her ideal client for this comic book. Neither is Nate. So we are struggling to come up with ideas. Um, so when you come, when you have um, something like that, that's a little bit more difficult, how can you figure out what they need to hear from you to, to buy that product? I don't know if I'm even asking the question the right way. Totally understand what you're talking about. And I think too, if you know, we're ta- using this example of your daughter and her comic book, the first thing you look at is, well, why is she doing this comic book? What's unique about this comic book? Is it a comic book around empowering girls to see themselves as superheroes and to build their confidence? You know, it's really understanding what is this, what is this product going to do and, and who is your target? Is the, do- is, is the target for your daughter's comic book girls around the same age, 
kids around that same age, a little bit older, a little bit younger. And then, you know, as a marketer, I think what's really interesting and, and having worked across so many different industries is switching your brain and saying, if I am that consumer, you know, I'm not Taryn, the 30 something year old marketer who loves cooking and obsessed with dog videos. I'm that eight year old girl who is, loves being in sports, doesn't love dancing, doesn't see any role models necessarily in the sports worlds that I can identify with at this time. You know, what, what, what would speak to me at that stage and age in my life? And I think it's, you know, as your mom, you can definitely speak to her and give her ideas, but it's talking to girls or kids her own age or who are the target and doing a bit of research to understand what are their behaviors? What are their touch points that you can connect with them? If she wants to sell a comic book, you know, is online the best place? Is it in schools? And it's really creating what we call a customer avatar. So it's coming up with this description of the ideal customer is, and you give them a name and you give them a description and you talk about what they like and what they do in life and how they interact with people. And, you know, what are the things that they're necessarily thinking about at that stage in life? And all of a sudden the sales strategy comes separately because it goes, you go, okay, well, we know we're talking to eight-year-old girls in this example, let's, let's say, well, we know they're in school every day. We know they like to go to the park. We know they like to visit this gym for certain play groups or activities. So all of a sudden bringing this comic book, you know where you need to be. And you know, you need to find a few people to drive their interest and, and get those purchases and starting to move it that way. So it's really about who is your customer and then how can you speak to them? How can you connect with them? You know, I think today everyone's like, well, just go on Instagram and, and throw money behind that. And the reality is a lot of companies, they, they're like, okay, we need to be on social media. We need to be on TikTok and Snapchat and Facebook and Instagram and Pinterest and YouTube. And the problem is with bigger companies, when you're on all these channels, you actually have to be active on these channels and engage with your, your clients and your, your customers. So it's really important too, to, to look at what resources do you have available? What channels make most sense to your customer and how can you connect with them? And a lot of times word of mouth is actually going to be your best bet and the best way to slowly start to scale as well, especially for, you know, young entrepreneurs. It's a good way to also work out the kinks in your business. So you start small and you start scaling that way where you get to really know your customers. You get to figure out, okay, in my online checkout form, what's working, what's not. So when you do scale bigger, you've already figured everything out and you know everything's running super smoothly. And I think a lot of people try to scale too fast and they end up a lot of businesses go under because they don't have the resources or the capital to scale properly. Um, so yeah, it, <laughs> again, long-winded answer, but I think in that example, it, it really is understanding who's your customer. Um, that was a long-winded answer, but it was the right amount of wind. Like you just gave so much good knowledge there. You know, I, I do a lot of marketing and consulting for businesses of all sizes. And that's something that I feel like a lot of small businesses really struggle with is finding and pinpointing that perfect description of that customer avatar, like you said. So I, I, I try to brainstorm with my clients. I'll say, okay, what, who is your ideal customer? They're like, well, anyone that has this amount of money to spend. And I was like, no, 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 it's not. Does your mom have that amount? They're like, yeah, okay, go sell to your mom. Cool, you found a customer. My job's done. 
you write me a you know a fat consulting fee check now they're like ah no like it needs to be more than that and i go exactly so let's let's break it down let's say if you could only work with one client for the rest of your life who would that person be you know be be more descriptive what problems are your services solving you know who is that exact person and i know it's like for sheila sheila has uh you know like just to bring in a good example, because she's not going to toot her own horn, but she has a nonprofit that helps, you know, single working moms uh, to grow their businesses and, you know, be able to balance that, that time between being a mom and, you know, putting food on their kid's table, you know. And so she has this wonderful avatar that is very specific for that you know, nonprofit. And it's completely different than yours or my avatars in our businesses. And so a lot of people, like, they, they will think that it's like, well, I just, I just want somebody who will spend money with me. It's like, well, no, we need to dial that down a lot more specifically. And where, where are they? Where are they hanging out? Uh, that's, that's usually like our next question. It's like, okay, once we get that, got that drilled down, okay, where are these people spending their free time? Like you said, there are a slew of social medias, you know, platforms out there, YouTube, in Pinterest, Twitter, TikTok, uh, all those things. Uh, I purposely say TikTok, by the way, uh, we're gonna be cutting out this sentence right here, but I purposely say TikTok to confuse uh, all my boomer audiences. So that's, uh, that's what I do. Um, but yeah, there are so many different platforms that, like you said, unless you have a huge marketing team where you can be active and engaging with the audience on every single one of those, find out where your exact customer is hanging out. Like for one of my businesses, the biggest thing, it was like, okay, they weren't hanging out on YouTube. They weren't hanging out on Pinterest. They were hanging out on Instagram. That's where they were going for their free time. You know, and I was like, that's where I want to capture their attention is when they're relaxed, when their guard is down, you know, they're going to LinkedIn looking for business solutions, but I want them after they've had, you know, a relaxing wind down in the evening after they had a glass of wine and they're like, okay, I'm relaxed now, put on my slippers, feet up on the couch, scrolling through Instagram. And then they see my content and go, that's what I need to solve my problems. So I love that you brought all of that stuff up. And Nate, to add to that, because I think that's such incredible advice to people as well, is a lot of these platforms, and there are a lot of uh, other resources out there that provide free data on who these customers are and where they're spending their time. The worst thing that I always see people do is they assume they are the customer or they know who the customer is. And it's actually completely different. And I think it's really interesting because I am in Toronto and Canada is such a huge country, you know, a lot of people assume that the customer is exactly like them and their Toronto downtown friends, where in fact, when you look at Canada and how we're spread and how there are the different pockets, the rural and the urban mix of, of um, people, you know, the marketing plans that they come up with or the content they come up with and where we wanna be is so completely different than the actual customer. And there are so many places to get that free information to validate who is your customer and where are they spending their time. And I think one exercise that I always do with my clients early on is, you know, the client journey mapping and really outlining from when you're, once you've got your customer avatar really laid out, 
What does your customer do from the time they wake up till the time they go to sleep? Where do they spend their day? Are they getting up at 6.30 and going to the gym? Are they getting up and reading the newspaper online or physically? Are they you know, cooking their meals or are they eating out? Are they spending time on their phone or on their tablet or speaking with people? You know, Really mapping it out and understanding what they do with their time, where they spend it, and where you can be part of that naturally or come in and disrupt their day. Because that's the other thing too. Sometimes they're just so passive about what they're doing. You have the opportunity to come in with something disruptive to get their attention. And you know what's really hard in the marketing space is you're competing with so many messages at every moment in the day. And you really need to look at as a marketer, where can you best allocate your time and like you said, you can't be on 10 different channels unless you have a team that can support generating content or engaging content on 10 different channels. Mm-hmm. So I always say to my clients, I'm like, if you only have the time to do one channel well, pick the one that makes the most sense and do it really, really well. Don't try to do four channels okay or mediocrely. Just pick one, do it well, mm-hmm. and don't stress about the rest. Yeah. I actually read an article or maybe I saw something on TV a while ago about Hilton um, using Twitter and it on Hilton's Twitter feed, they will respond right away every single time to everybody. And there was like this big, huge thing about how they had used Twitter and a lot of people were switching over to using their hotels simply for that reason. Like I'm stranded at the airport and Hilton hasn't picked me up they're on it and you know they're they're picking that up and they're fixing it and so they're they're achieving two things number one they're pleasing that customer number two all of their followers are seeing that they're seeing that they're on top of it and taking care of their customers so um, mm-hmm. Nate and I actually met while he was doing customer service for an unnamed large locally owned um, email <laughs> marketing platform and the reason that uh, my son and I and my son at the time was working for me liked Nate so much is that uh, Nate and my son had been talking about a problem. They got it all fixed. And Nate said, is there anything else I can do for you before I let you go? And my son says, yeah, I'm hungry. I, will you make me a sandwich? <laughs> and Nate's like, well, I can't help you with that, but you know, whatever. And they ended the call. And then I think about a week later, we got this package of like, um, it, it was a uh, like food storage type MRE type stuff, you know, like air packed and everything, but it was, it was awesome. And so we just fell in love with Nate over the fact that number one, he knows what he's talking about. And number two, he took care of, uh, of our, of my son. And so they actually call their customer service, the delight department. And so we were delighted. And then the next time I visited Arizona, I had to go up and meet this person face to face. And so that's kind of how Nate and I met. And I love that example, because I think what's so important is a company, a brand, an individual to know what their values are and to really live them. And we talk about that, you know, I work for FSQ Consulting, I'm the co-founder and CEO. And one thing that our team drives internally and with our clients is know your values and live them. So every single one of us have them printed next to our computer and every single meeting we start off giving an example from that week of one of us, any of us, driving one of those values. And I think in the example that you both just shared between Hilton and and the company through you met is customer service is really important to them, but not just customer service, it's quality and responsive. You know, they go deeper than just saying customer service. It's saying, we believe in making sure our customers are happy. What that means, that's broad. 
But if every single person who works in customer service understands that, well, they're going to go above and beyond. And when they understand how that value living and breathing and really owning that value ladders up to the larger company mission and vision, well, then you really understand your purpose and your role. And I think that's so important because culture in an, any company is one of the biggest driving forces of success. I think there's a stat and I, I'm like trying to say it off the top of my head and I'm going to fail. Um, but I think a company that has a strong culture is 60% more profitable in their business. I will find the actual stat and send it to you guys so you can quote it properly. But there Perfect. is the impact of culture is so important. And to anyone also, when they're talking about how to communicate the benefits of their product, they need to know what their values are and they need to really actually live them. And I'm not saying, you know, I've worked at companies and they're like, these are our values, integrity and teamwork and quality. And then you look and you're like, well, there isn't teamwork. It's a cutthroat environment. So mm -hmm. that doesn't make sense. And right. integrity, well, you have someone in the company who's kind of being fraudulent around things. So that doesn't make sense. So, so I think too, I would say that's one thing that's really important to us when we first start working with clients, whether it's me individually or, or with FSQ is understanding what the values are and how are you then living and breathing them internally because that goes externally to how you deal with customers and, and their experience with you. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I, I agree 100% on all of that, uh, especially the part um, with your made up statistic about <laughs> the the sixty percent more profitable, but you're you're absolutely right, and I'm I'm sure that number is that or even higher because, like what you said, when we're trying to pro solve a problem and provide that solution to our clients, when they are able to get a clear understanding of that, of like what is the whole purpose of the company, and that's what those those you know, core values of the company are, that's what the mission statement is, uh, is really what is the company, what is the purpose there? What is the purpose to serve the customer? Uh, and when you're very clear and aligned on those values, the client is going to understand that. They're going to see it a lot better. They're going to say, oh, this comic book is for me because I am that customer avatar. You know, whether or not they actually say those words, they probably won't. Most people that aren't in marketing aren't going around going, oh, I'm your customer avatar. <laughs> you know, I don't even know if I do that. I'm, and I'm going to start now if I'm walking around and the next time I buy something, I was like, I'm your ideal customer avatar. And they're going to be like, well, what are you talking about? And like, don't worry. I'm just I, talking to myself. So I love it. I love it too. And it's, it's like creating like a dating profile. You're like, I like the outdoors and I'm adventurous and I like to read. And you're like putting all these things and you're like, but you know, you can't label me because I'm so unique. And it's like, well, yeah, there's things that we can, you know, outline right. about you that is very similar to a large percentage of the population. Right. Or you but, just gave yourself labels by listing all of those things. <laughs> like You are, there's your labels, you know, you did that all by yourself. Right. Um, coming up with a customer avatar has always been, um, it, it's a hot topic. It's something that we talk about on a regular basis. The first five years I was in business, I didn't think it was really that necessary. And then I finally sat down and did it. And boy, did it change my business like practically overnight because it changed everything I did, my whole messaging, you know, how I did everything, my colors actually changed my entire brand. 
And the way that I, I had always been taught to do it is like you said, like think about who your, your uh, ideal client is and you, you or ideal customer use the example of the eight-year-old girl. She goes to the park, she does this, she does these things, she likes these things. Um, but I actually went to a class once where they had us reverse engineer our client avatar. And I thought that was really interesting. They, they had us list out our top 10 favorite clients that we had had and then write down everything we knew about them. So if we know how much money they make, where they live, what they do, do they have family? Are they male, female? We wrote down all the, you know, avatar type things. And then she said, go back and find out what those 10 people have in common and put that into one person. And that's your client avatar. And all of a sudden, like it clicked for me because I was able to really see it. So when you're struggling to find out who that person is, look at who you've been working with. If you don't know who you've been, or if you don't have any new clients, like you're, you're brand new to business, think about the person that you would want to work with and then, you know, find it that way, or even go look at other businesses in your same industry and look at the customers they have and pick out the things that you like and maybe figure it out that way. Do you have a better way of finding your right person? And I think what's so interesting too, is when I left the advertising world, I left as director of strategy. And that was part of our job was to dive deep and create these avatars so that our creative team and our production team and our account team understood who we were talking to. And sometimes to our clients understood a lot of times who they had data that they could give us. Part of it is just sitting down and, and really putting yourself in that person's shoes and thinking about, you know, if I am an eight-year-old kid, what are the pain points in my life? What are the important things in my life? You know, what's my purpose? What's my pain points? Who am I surrounding my, who are the people? So I'd say if those are the three P's, and then, you know, price is always something too that we talk about. So, you know, when you're talking about price too, it's where are they getting money from? What can they afford? That also helps you kind of understand what's that price point you need to be at. That's part of it. You know, we have some questions that we ask clients, but a lot of that is really digging into the pain points and where you help. Because when you understand the tension in people's lives, then you're, you're bringing a solution to that. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden your messaging and everything you're doing becomes a lot easier to do. Um, and then part of it is just, you know, writing out, you know, what do they do in a day and really figuring out what that actually looks like and speaking to your targets. Sometimes too, if I'm working on something that's maybe more of a male geared product and I don't want to trying really not to label, but we're obviously just using this as examples. Um, and it's something that I have no experience with. I'll go and speak to people. So let's say I'm marketing a CrossFit class and I've never done CrossFit. I would go and speak to people and really understand it. Because if you're going to sell something, you need to really understand who you're selling it to. So Mm. for me, it'd be understanding, okay, the people who love CrossFit, what do they have in common? What's their mentality around it? Why are they so passionate? And like, how do they drive this community? How within CrossFit are they categorizing the CrossFitters? (laughs) Because I know there's different levels of it. And I, again, I've never done CrossFit. I don't plan on it, not because of anything. I just don't like carrying big weights. Um, but it, <laughs> That's yeah. a great reason. That is the same reason why I don't do CrossFit. So we are yeah. the same customer avatar in that way. We are, we, you are not, CrossFit companies should not market towards us. Let's Absolutely. be clear. When you brought up CrossFit in the first place, my very first thought was Nate's like, nope, not me. <laughs> Not, not doing that. I know. No. So I'm like trying to pick an example. I'm like, this is not me at all. I love health and fitness, but CrossFit is its own unique community mm-hmm. and it's so engaged and they're so passionate about it. So if you are coming up with a, a product that would be for those people, you need to go and speak to them. 
and you need to really understand them. And, you know, it's like, if you're helping your daughter with eight-year-olds, it's just spending time and hearing what they talk about. And I think the value of a conversation with people is so important. There are so Mm -hmm. many times where I think, yes, I could just email a client this form and get them to fill it out. But sitting and having a conversation, you pull out so much more. And I find too, when you get people and you just ask a couple questions, all of a sudden they come up with all this stuff. And I almost just regurgitate it back to them. And they're like, Taryn, this is so great. I'm like, great, because you just said it all. I actually just remarketed it all back to you. (laughs) So I, I would say too, it's not that I necessarily have a better customer avatar process. I think it's more just the questions you ask as you go through it. Well, I think the process of actually speaking to the individuals is smart. Like you said, you're not a a big CrossFitter. It's not something you do. So if you would stood outside of a CrossFit building and ask somebody, you know, hey, what brought you here today? Why are you, you know, ask one question of each person. So you keep it really short and simple because, you know, they're going to hurry to get to their next thing because that's what CrossFit's all about is going from one thing to the next Um, is, you know, make it quick and and short. Don't make it painful. Don't send them some big long form, but having a conversation as opposed to have someone type something out, I think is super smart, you know, especially if it's an avatar, like you said, that you have no reference for, you know, you're not a man. You're not a CrossFitter. If you are targeting to male CrossFitters, how else are you going to do it? You know, how do you stand in their shoes? Well, you go ask them questions too. Yeah, and I'd say too, I think a lot of people who are setting up retail or physical locations for storefronts, you're really thinking about what neighborhood do I want to be in? Who are the people in that neighborhood? How can I help them? Like if you know you're setting up a coffee shop in a neighborhood and there's a lot of elderly people, well, maybe you do have a few benches in the area so they can sit and enjoy their coffee and not have to walk with it afterwards. And, you know, potentially also I'm in Canada staring out at the whole thing of snow. I'm like, you don't necessarily want people walking on, on snow and ice. You want them to be able to sit and enjoy their coffee. Maybe there's a heater so that they can have that moment and a really special experience. And we talk about this a lot is what's the experience that you want to have with people. There's also a difference. And I know you see a lot of like unboxing videos on YouTube and that is an experience when you get something in the mail. And especially I'd say because COVID everyone's doing a lot more online ordering as a brand, you have such an opportunity to change that experience. And I know I've gotten packages from certain brands and I open it and the detail on the packaging. And there's like sometimes just like a cute or funny message on it. And you think you almost have that smile or laugh or chuckle whatever it is before you even open it and mm-hmm. al- already you have like more of a connection an emotional connection to whatever you've purchased which I know sounds funny but um, you do build connections with your items in your house and the things that you wear so there's so many opportunities to whether it's a handwritten note or that sort of surprise and delight element that you've talked about with the example you've used with the company that uh, Nate used to work at um, I think too, as a, as a company and brand, an entrepreneur, you really need to think about what's the experience that you want to have. So if your daughter is delivering comic books and let's say they are about empowering girls to follow their dreams and be confident, maybe it's, you know, she also for five extra dollars, you get a shirt that has some kind of really cool graphic and saying on it, that's like that, then, you know, you become part of this tribe. So there's a lot of different ways to really think about the experience and how you can extend it beyond just that purchase. Um, A lot of, I would say too, in the online marketing world, a big thing as well, and I'm sure you guys are very familiar and and often do this with your clients is the follow-up. So after the purchase, there's the follow-up of how did you, whether it was 
at a restaurant or a product you purchased, how was your experience? Is there anything we could have done better? Is there anything else we can help you with? There's so much to be said about closing the loop. And I would say too, for anyone who's an entrepreneur starting out, and especially the example we started this episode with is, you know, after someone does purchase, follow up a few weeks later and say, hey, Taryn, would love to check in and see how did that face cream go? You mentioned you had dry skin. I just want to see, is it working for you? If it's not, is there something I can, can I refund it for you? Having that experience and following through is so important, especially at the beginning. And, and if that is one of your values as well, customer service or customer experience, I think that's also really important. I would finish up that with make sure it's short. I just got one from my phone company, you know, like a, you're going to be entered into win, you know, $50 gift card on Amazon. If you fill this out, it's only going to take 45 minutes. Okay. Seriously. You know, I'm not your customer. I mean, I am obviously, but I'm not going to fill that out. It's take 45 minutes, ask, you know, two multiple choice questions and an one open-ended question. And that's about all I can handle. Make sure you, you, when you're asking those questions, you take in those things into account, you know, CrossFitters may want to talk about CrossFitting all day. Moms don't have all day. So, you know, look at those things too, but. Um, what if they're CrossFitting moms, then do they have like half the day? Is it? Then you better you give them some babysitting. Them. You give them some babysitting <laughs> while they're you know, filling out your their application. Okay, okay. <laughs> be, if they're the crossfitting moms, then be prepared to be on like a call while they're multitasking a million things. That sounds <laughs> sure. about right from what yeah. I know about crossfitting moms. Because you said one thing, Taryn, about you know the suggestion of you know maybe creating a T-shirt for get for getting people to you know connect with or feel connected to a tribe. And something that I tell my clients a lot, I go, when you, you want to be your authentic self, don't try to be somebody that you're not, because especially this day and age, people buy from somebody they feel connected with, you know, they go, oh, this is me, this is, I feel heard, I feel empowered, I feel connected as a tribe. And when you dial down to that very specific niche in that, that customer avatar, where they feel like they were a one in a million person and they felt all alone. And now you presented them with an opportunity for a tribe. And I'm not exaggerating, exaggerating when I say one in a million. Like if we look at the population of earth right now and we say, okay, if somebody is one in a million, that means there are 7,800 other people exactly like them. That's just the law of numbers. And when you think about it that way, you go, oh, even if I'm one in a million, there are nearly 10,000 other people that are identical to me. If, if, you know, if you think about it, obviously there aren't, but you bring people into a tribe of 10,000 members or even a thousand members or even a hundred people where they go, you know what? I've always felt alone. I've always felt like this pain point that I have hasn't been answered. Um, and now you have that solution they're going to be a customer for life. And mm -hmm. when you follow up with them and when you say, hey, how did I do? How can I make this process smoother? How can I fix my checkout page? How can I deliver in a box that's easier for you to open and handle and all these things. And you, you ask those open-ended questions of getting that feedback. You're only gonna grow your audience from there and going to find the exact right people for your audience, for your tribe. I love that. And I think it's so important to Nate, because you're right. You take a year one in a million and then you bring it down to where you 
live or where you're connected on, on social media. And all of a sudden in this one aspect of your life, you've got this tribe. And then in mm-hmm. another aspect of your life, you've got this other tribe. And as you grow too, your life evolves. So your tribes are changing. And mm-hmm. I think it's so important to remember that your customer base will change, but the experience they have is so important. And it, it is about connecting those people and, you know, letting them know that you care about them. Yeah. That's what we all want. We all just want to feel cared about. It's so true. And the whole reason we start doing what we're doing is because of our purpose. And if, if we have a purpose for what we're doing, it comes down to what we want to do for people. I don't know very many entrepreneurs who aren't people who just want to do something for other people. We're all very giving um, and we all want our customers to have that certain experience. So um, I love it, Karen. And I appreciate you coming on the podcast today. You are just a sweetheart, a real joy to have on the podcast today. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks so much for having me, you guys. Well, folks, that's all for today's episode of The Messy Back End. It's Nate and Sheila signing off until next time. Thank you to our advertiser, PodServe FM. They will help you get your podcast hosted and published quickly and easily. Visit them at podserve.fm forward slash messy to find out more. And thank you to our advertiser, Thrivecart. They're the number one shopping cart software that grows your income from existing traffic with high converting checkout pages, upsells, and affiliate campaigns. Watch the video on how simple this cart solution is at themessybackend.com slash cart. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform by going to themessybackend.com forward slash subscribe and check us out on our YouTube channel for full episodes. Well, folks, that's all we have for today's episode of The Messy Back End. I'm Wendy Wybailey, known as your Income Acceleration Mentor, and I'm the founder and dean at More Coaching Client Sales and Marketing Academy. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like my back end is getting cleaner with every episode. I can tell you from my own experience that processing, looking at the messy back end situation when it happens helps you to grow and learn and be that much better as an entrepreneur. Join us again next week as experts share more customized business advice and tips about all the messy stuff that goes into the back end of entrepreneurship. Remember, you're not alone. Every business has a messy back end that needs a little attention. But I have a friend who calls me Turin. And then because one person called me Turin and introduced me to people, there's like a whole group who called me Turin. And I'm like, is that my alter ego? Like, so, yeah. And they're just like, this Taryn is crazy. They're walking like, away like, Taryn's crazy. I can't talk to her. I started talking. I'm like, I'm muted. How did yeah. I do that to myself? Where are you? Where? Are, why can't I only see one of you? And you've like, not Googled myself in a really long time. So I haven't either. I think we should all do this right now. It's, oh, my photos are the first and second photo to show up. My first three are all me. And- um, that was a long-winded answer, but it was the right amount of wind. Like you, Mastercard, Visa, Nissan, Bear, Nestle, Hesley, Nest. <laughs> Nestle, Nestle, Hershey. Hershey. <laughs>